Welcome to the Horse Talk Show. You never heard of a talking horse? With your host, Louisa Barton. I want to be a famous rider. I should like to race. Presented by Peterson and Smith Equine Hospital. Truth is, I help horses with people problems. Now here's the Brit on the bit, Louisa Barton! Yeah, baby! (laughs) The Larson family has been farming hay in Idaho for generations with a mission to always provide high-quality hay products at a fair and reasonable price. Larson Hay loves to meet new customers while always honoring the ones they already have. Find Larson Hay on the web at larsonhay.com, like them on Facebook, and definitely visit one of their locations. Larson Hay, Idaho's finest alfalfa, and our television broadcast sponsor. Welcome to the Horse Talk Show, presented by Peterson and Smith Equine Hospital. Thank you to Larson Farms, our broadcast sponsor, Idaho's finest alfalfa. I'm Louisa Barton, host and executive producer of the Horse Talk Show. Apologies that the show is running a little late this week um, due to an impending potential hurricane or tropical storm. Um, Things were a little delayed in our move into our new studios, um, into the CEP studios of the Horse Talk Show. We're very excited to be here uh, in the power plant building right behind the downtown market, which is a great location in downtown for us. We're absolutely thrilled to be here. And thank you to the CEP um, for partnering with us uh, to bring you the best of the best in the horse world. That's what we certainly think we bring you anyway. Some great guests. We've got some wonderful pre-recorded segments that we've done with Dr. Adam Kayok from Peterson and Smith Equine Hospital. We also have a segment with Kayla Vanderwalt, who is going to the Olympics and to help her fundraise, her GoFundMe, raising money to help her get there with her horse and represent and hopefully do very well as a para equestrian in the Olympics. Very excited for her and her family. Going to talk a little bit about July 4th. Of course, this weekend um, was my first July 4th as an American. I am, however, still mastering the language uh, and haven't overcome some of that yet. Somebody laughed at me this weekend when I said aluminium. Um, But, you know, we have lots of British words that are different with different meanings. So I'm very glad to be here in America. And this is my first year as a citizen. Prior to that, I was an alien for over 25 years and um, certainly thrilled to be an American citizen and celebrate this holiday. I don't think I was any more patriotic than I ever am this year, just because I think I've felt like an American for a long time. Let's talk a little bit about fireworks, though. I mentioned earlier in the week when I came on live um, Tuesday night, um, the night that the storm was beginning to uh, to come in towards Florida. I mentioned to you some people, um, Joe Alberti from Chestnut Hill Arabians actually texted me and said, we're the horse capital of the world. Why do we have fireworks? Well, Certainly in the uh, areas where there are a lot of farms and horses, I do think people should take extra care. I do think that's very important. I'm not sure that we can ever make fireworks illegal because of being horse capital of the world, because we do have a large population of people who do not have horses here as well. However, I do think that there should be some extra rules and some extra care taken. Um, Joe did send me a video of fireworks going off right by his barn, and he is in an area where there 
there are a lot of horse farms, including Mark Cass's farm um, with a number of thoroughbreds, probably quite a lot of horses that are not desensitized to fireworks. Um, I was very fortunate that I had my older horse for many, many years and Sonny was actually a Marion um, sheriff's horse and he actually had to have um, ambulances lights and sirens, helicopters land. He had to have fireworks going off all around him on Garden Country Day. And he was desensitized. And he really did help my herd to also feel comfortable and safe around fireworks. And they're like, it's just another day uh, in Marion County. They're not really phased by it. The two Mustangs ran up, ran up the hill like one time um, when they were alarmed for a minute and then they went back to eating. So if your horses are desensitized, that's fantastic. Um, if not, you know, you may have to go to some method, some kind of sedative or work the horses towards being desensitized and hopefully get some kind of um, rules and regulations passed, at least in the areas where there are a lot of horse farms, because it certainly is a little insensitive of people who don't own horses that don't seem to understand how terrifying it can be, especially if you have horses that are in a barn and they can't see what's going on. They can just hear it going off and they're, they're in a stall. It tends to make a prey animal um, feel very much as though it's trapped. So so um, again, some people do better turning their horses out. I saw somebody posted that they put all their horses in a, a wide open arena together and the horses were actually more comfortable in a herd in an area where they could see what was going on. So I understand if you have very valuable horses, um, very, very expensive horses, and they, maybe they even belong to boarders, you probably can't take that risk. Um, but again, something to think about. Any comments below that you'd like to um, have us mention on the show at some later date, please do comment um, below. We'll be happy to share your thoughts and feelings on fireworks and horses. Uh, quick mention again for that Paso show, Last Chance Ocala, August 6th to the 8th. Our dear friend, Ali Ortiz, friend to the show, going to have one of her beautiful shows. They're always so well put together. And that will be at World Equestrian Center. I know you'll enjoy being a spectator. The Pasifinos are absolutely phenomenal to watch. Um, got some segments coming up. I'm going to hear a little bit again, as I mentioned, from Dr. Kayot, uh, Kayla van der Walt. And Dr. Rulan is going to be on at the end, at the second half of the show, presented by Palm Chevrolet, talking about um, equine rehab. And uh, we know how important all of that is. In a little bit of news, very sadly, Big Jake, a 20-year-old Belgian, passed away recently. His family absolutely grief-stricken, um, as are the rest of the horses. He was quite the character in the barn. He was in the Guinness Book of Records in the year 2010, as the tallest horse in the world at six foot 10 inches, weighing 2,500 pounds, he was indeed the tallest horse. His owner's going to memorize him by keeping his stall empty and putting a plaque and brick outside the stall door with his picture and name. A very, very special horse. All the other horses have been affected. There's a huge void um, and uh, apparently everything's very quiet around the barn without Big Jake. Um, and he lived in Wisconsin. Uh, a five-star international horse trial competition is scheduled to take place in Britain in September. 
this is actually the first time they've had a major competition like this in England in two years. So I know they're very excited, especially as badminton and Burgley were both cancelled due to COVID-19. Um, so this will be a five-star international horse trials uh, in September. And uh, really exciting that the Bicton Arena in Devon, Devon's one of my favourite parts of England, uh, is actually going to host this. And, um, and they'll have this opportunity to be in these classes, which uh, is really wonderful. The Cheddington Bicton Park five-star horse trials will be an opportunity to see the highest level of competition in Britain for the first time in two years with a prize of £125,000. This will also be live streamed by supporting sponsor, the Eventing Channel. So talking a little bit about storms, I just um, I want to say that, you know, having had the storm this week and, you know, experiencing the what's left of that, we are in hurricane season. If you are a new person to Florida, we are very fortunate to be in Ocala, the horse capital of the world, and to be right in the middle of the state like we are as far as our distance from east and west and nice and high up as well. So actually, we usually don't have a terrible time with these storms by the time it reaches us. It's usually calmed down and broken up a little bit. Um, our prayers certainly go out to all the coast uh, coast towns and areas, especially at this time of year. But just be prepared. Don't try to teach your horse to get in a trailer for the first time the day before a hurricane. Be ready and be prepared as we look forward to the rest of this hurricane season up through November. Make sure you're ready. Also, store a lot of water. Fill up wheelbarrows, extra water troughs and buckets, because if, God forbid, you do lose electricity, you have got water for your horses. Make sure you have a maxim, a minimum rather of 72 hours of feed. Better if you have hay for a week. Make sure you secure all your movable objects and make sure you have an emergency first aid kit and a chainsaw with fuel on hand. Make sure your vehicle's full of gas. So just some, some tips as we're looking at the next few months and concerns about hurricane season. We hope you enjoy the rest of this show. You know, some may be replays that you've seen before, but you know, it's always great information. And we're always really happy to share our wonderful guests with you. We have some great guests that are going to be on with us next week. Very excited. We're going to have Dr. Yates on from Peterson and Smith Equine Hospital in complete care for the first time. She's going to make her debut right here in our new studio at CEP. We're going to take a break now. Back in just a few minutes. Stay with us on the Horse Talk Show.
This show is brought to you in part by DAC Vitamins and Minerals of Florida. All horses need a solid immune system, excellent joint support, a healthy gut, and DAC has all the vitamins and minerals they need with the NASC stamp of approval. So like them on Facebook now or go to feeddac.com. DAC, it makes a world of difference. Hi, this is Hall of Fame jockey Mike Smith. We're listening to the Horse Talk Show. I'm Louisa Barton with the Horse Talk Show here at Peterson and Smith Equine Hospital in Ocala, Florida. And I have Dr. Kayot with me here. And we're actually going to talk about bad habits in horses um, and things that you can do maybe to help alleviate some of that. The big one, of course, that everybody can't stand is cribbing. It's one of the first questions people ask if you have a horse for sale. Is it a cribber? Uh, Nobody wants a cribber in the barn and nobody wants a cribber in the pasture. Do you come across quite a lot of cribbers, Dr. Kayot? (laughs) <laughs> well, I work in the horse industry, so yeah, there's there's a few out there. Um, yeah, so that's just like the bane of the horse owner, right? And and um, you, it's so destructive. It's expensive because they tear apart stalls, they tear apart fences. They can uh, get to the point where where they um, actually are a detriment to themselves because they sit there and they crib instead of eat which is what they need to do, you know, to, to maintain that thousand pound body mass. You takes a lot of calories to maintain that uh, physique. So if they're sitting there cribbing on the fence post or, um, you know, uh, cribbing on the stall wall or whatever, then that, that is a big problem. And it, it can be an expensive problem and one that, that uh, nobody wants. So... You probably obviously see the cribbers tend to have less weight on them maybe than the non-cribbers. But what actually starts a horse cribbing? Do we know? I don't think we really know that question. You know, that they that says that, um, uh, you know, if you get a cribber in the barn, then it will cause the other horses to crib. I don't know if that's the case, you know. I mean, there's some horses that may pick it up, some that don't. I think I think it gets picked up mainly out of boredom or out of, you know, um, just... I don't maybe a, a, a horse that is over anxious or, or tends to be a little higher strung horse, but it happens in all breeds, all sizes, all all types of horses that that will crib. I don't think we really know why they do it. If we kind of knew why, we might be able to focus on preventing it better or, or, or causing it to not to happen. But if it was a person, we'd probably send them to the therapist, right? Yeah, probably. <laughs> That's right. So maybe, you know, you need to get the a horse whisperer out or the horse psychic and they can talk about their problems or their feelings and, um, you know, maybe get, get some of that out so they're not chewing on the wood. But, uh, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's difficult. I, I think, I think a lot of it does stem from horses that are, that are bored. And once they get that, habit old habits are hard to break so um you don't typically see it in horses that are turned out most of the time they it does typically happen in horses that are stalled the majority of their of their day um but you know uh it's it can be a real bear you know i mean there's 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 no real medical fix for it you know obviously everybody knows about cribbing collars and and those sorts of things and you know i've seen some extreme you know the 
the the the little the clips that they put between their front teeth i'm not a big fan of that that doesn't seem very humane to me but um i have seen that i wouldn't recommend that but um it's a very frustrating thing and people will go to great lengths to try to prevent their horse from chewing down the barn or chewing down their fencing and that sort of thing now now is it true that a horse actually gets addicted to doing it i mean i know that's probably a hard question to answer because you can't ask the horse but people have said it's almost like um when they suck in and the air is almost like a kind of a high for them is that right well the way i understand it is they do get some endorphin release from it right um just kind of like even when you put a twitch on there's endorphin release which is kind of bizarre but uh but yeah they can get a you know, a euphoric kind of feeling just a, uh, uh, from the endorphin release that, that can happen. I mean, the other thing you talk about the air that they suck in, well, that air has to go somewhere and those horses tend to be more likely to colic because they have excess gas in their, you know, in their digestive tract because they're sitting there sucking it in. So that can happen. You know, you just saying that made me think of that. So cribbing is a problem that's why people like you said when they're wanting to buy does the horse crib you know and and you know certainly the sales pavilions and that sort of thing generally have um provisions in that if this horse is a is a cribber or you get it home and ends up being a cribber and wasn't announced and that sort of thing then you're not liable to have keep the horse so it is a it's a big deal it affects industry it's a very costly one i mean if you have a nice horse that cribs people don't want it doesn't matter because in the long run it's going to be um you know that that stigma that they'll get the other horses to start cribbing is alive it is whether that's the truth or not i'm not sure but it is alive so nobody wants you know it's kind of like the scarlet letter you know in the horse world you don't want that horse in your in your in your barn you know and and i've not actually seen that in the horses that i've seen as cribbers with other horses but I haven't been around that with younger horses, and I would imagine the risk of copycat behavior is probably more likely in a younger horse, like a foal or a yearling, that might be sort of learning to find its way around, and that's its example. And that certainly, I think, could be probably more alarming than an older horse that's been around for a long time, like mine, are unlikely to begin a new habit later in life. So I would think that if you have a barn of young horses, you'd be very concerned if you had one in there that was a cribber. Yeah, I think I think I think that's true. I think, you know, and and typically you'll see if the mares are cribber, oh, the baby ends up being a cribber. You know, yeah, that yeah. sort of thing. The, that's not untypical, for, you know, that's not that's not another copycat. Yeah, another copycat thing. I, I I see that, you know, frequently. Um so you saying the younger horse doing that um does make sense, you know. Now, um, do veterinarians ever recommend any medications to calm horses if they are an anxious horse and it tends to be associated with anxiety? Because it seems to me if it was a person, it would be certainly would be an anxious, thinner person and more nervous person is kind of what you see when you think of a horse as a cribber as a person. That would kind of be, do you ever recommend anything to calm a horse down like that? Well, any any of your... um things that may work you know um, anti-ulcer drugs to calm horses down um, 
uh, um, long acting, uh, tranquilizers, you know, that sort of thing. Um, there's a lot of, uh, feed through additives that can lower horses stress that are out there on the market. And of course, you know, you brought this up before the segment, but you know, I, I don't have any, you know, personal experience with this, but the CBD stuff, I, I, I know people are, um, you know, that's kind of a hot thing right now. Um, and, and I think that people have seen some benefit you know from that and 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 um so we'll see you know we'll see how that progresses in the future but anything to lower the horse's um anxiety or just just try to know your horse maybe your horse needs to be turned outside a little bit more you know um maybe he doesn't like this buddy that he's stalled next to whatever you know i mean just just kind of yeah just try different things and, and and see see what works but um certainly it can be a uh, frustrating habit indeed nobody seems to want a cribber i always feel terrible for the cribbers because sometimes they're very sweet horses and and they don't really find a home so easily it's a shame they just can't. i'm louisa varton for the horse talk show here at peterson and smith equine hospital with dr adam Kayot. Thank you to our presenting sponsor, Peterson and Smith Equine Hospital and Complete Care, and Larson Hay, our broadcast and television sponsor, plus supporting sponsors, DAC Vitamins and Minerals, Seminole Feed Stores, Piranha, TT Distributors, and the Hilton Garden Inn, downtown Louisville. This show is brought to you in part by Seminole Feed Stores, family-owned since 1934. Manufacturing fixed-formula horse feeds with mindful monitoring and quality ingredients right here in Ocala in an all-natural, non-medicated feed mill. Seminole Feed, simply the world's best and safest feed. Like them on Facebook now or find them at SeminoleFeed.com. to the third segment of the Horse Talk Show presented by Peterson and Smith Equine Hospital and Complete Care. Thank you to Larson Farms, our broadcast sponsor, Idaho's finest alfalfa. Shout out for Piranha. They are the presenting sponsor of our equine initiative here at the CEP Studios and uh, we are so fortunate to have them and by the way, Piranha works. It really works. You need a fly system in your barn. There's information. You can find it at piranhainc.com. Check them out and get one installed right away. And because uh, we love Piranha, we're going to throw a template up here with a very pretty picture of a trail ride. What is your favorite time of day to ride? Share with us. You can comment below or message us. Tell us when do you like riding? Sun up, sundown? Does it depend on what time of the year it is? It probably does. Early or late is much better in the summertime. Maybe you don't have a choice and you have 15 of them to ride a day. Either way, let us know.
I'm Louisa Barton with the Horse Talk Show here at the Gypsy Gold Farm Tour. This is actually the most popular thing to do in this area and I'm not surprised because it certainly is an experience. A little bit like stepping back in history into the incredible and exciting world of the gypsies and the horses that they love and also a wonderful tourist attraction for Ocala, Marion County, Florida, the horse capital of the world. One of my favorite places to come and certainly a couple of my favorite people to visit with. But we're going to start off with a few years ago and we're going to talk to Dennis Thompson and his wife, Erin Mahoney Thompson, about how they got started out in the love of anything four-legged. Dennis, thanks for having us back here again. Love being with you. Great yeah. Thank you. Tell us about when you were a little tyke. Did you always love animals so much? Extreme, yeah. 1949, I lived in a one-room chicken coop in northern Indiana. No heat, no water, two-by-four bunk beds. Yeah, nice. <laughs> <laughs> but it was a chicken coop full of love and, and parents who believed they could do anything. And my mother wound up with the first McDonald's in America with a hitching post in Amish country in Indiana. Yeah. And my father's master's thesis was turned into a text for high school industrial arts. I was an extreme animal lover as a child. Called me the guppy god in the fourth grade because I'd take <laughs> mason jars full of baby guppies to school and sell them for a nickel apiece. Matter of fact, my neighbor, Mr. Flanagan, raised Shetland ponies. And uh, that was the 1950s. Uh, there was an invasion of Shetland ponies from Great Britain. <laughs> And uh, I tell people I believe it was an effort to take our country back <laughs> by destroying our children. <laughs> That's about spot on, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. We had a big weeping willow tree in the front yard. And uh, I would take branches from that willow tree and go to Mr. Flanagan's. He had an apple orchard. And I'd climb over the fence and make bridles and reins out of those willow trees. And I'd get on those ponies. And I would inevitably have to fall off before they got to the barn. Because they'd, <laughs> they'd go run into Mr. Flanagan, and I'd get caught. If <laughs> So, yeah, so my love for ponies, or love for horses, started very early. But, uh, yeah, so uh, it's... You're either born with that or you're not, you know. And uh, I hung out at pet stores as a teenager, and at 18, one of those stores asked me to work for him, and it was owned by the man that invented kitty litter, Ed, Ed, Ed Lowe. <laughs> Matter of fact, just recently I had an interesting thing. Uh, people who watch your show will remember an actress called Kim Novak, a uh, beautiful actress. Uh, I forget what, there was one movie she was particularly famous for. But I wrote her maybe 10 days ago. There was a segment about her on CBS, and she was driving a Gypsy Vanner horse. She's 85 years old now. Wow. Yeah. But it was her cousin and his wife who actually hired me at that pet store. Yeah. Yeah. From Chicago. <laughs> They, they managed one of the top pet stores in America, and Ed Lowe hired them to design the ultimate pet store. Ed Lowe's the man that invented kitty litter. So, yeah, crazy, crazy story, crazy And story. then you were the one responsible for the, for the collar, right? Well, 
I wound up managing his stores and then uh, for the next, I don't know, probably 40 years, I designed products for animals and set international distribution in the animal products industry and I am responsible for adjustable dog collars and adjustable dog harnesses. And so the passion, uh, it never ended. It, it's still there uh, today, you know. It's still there. Yeah. It is. For sure. Yes, absolutely. It is a lifelong love. There's yeah. no doubt. Erin, and what about you? You're, you've always been an animal horse lover, I would, right? I would say it didn't really start with horses. I'm really just an animal lover. You know, it's all animals... Um, have always had my heart, and I've always been attracted to everybody's pet. You know, they liked me, I liked them. Um, although I was not really allowed to have pets growing up. Um, my mother's sister, they have a farm in Annapolis, 80 acres, and every summer I adopted their, you know, livestock, <laughs> much to their chagrin, because they didn't want to have to tell me that they would eat them eventually. Uh, so it's kind of a joke, you know. You know, Fluffums died shortly after I left, I'm sure. But, um, you know, it's just funny, you know, rabbits, you know, every summer I had my own rabbit. Um, you know, it was our job to go out and milk the cow and collect the eggs and, you know, get pecked by all the chickens. And it was always so much fun. You know, uh, they taught me how to shoot my first shotgun. You know, it was just every summer was an adventure um, of playing ditch him in, in the woods, you know, for you know, 80 acres they had. Um, you know, I was with them when they bailed hay and, you know, it was a, a a day-long affair. Um, I picked vegetables. You know, you're there on the farm for five minutes. They have you doing something that will last you at least a day. You know, so it's kind of, um, I never lost my love for all animals. Um, it wasn't really until Dennis um, that I've kind of fallen in love with horses. Um, for me, uh, my family had commodity. Right? They raised animals for, you know, dairy cows and uh, for beef and turkeys and chickens and, you know, for their eggs and for meat. Um, so horses were a different, they had a Shetland pony that tried to kill me. So, so um, really horses were a different thing. Um, when I was adult, um, I became interested in horses and learned how to ride. Um, I learned how to ride on an Arabian, um, loved riding. Um, and that will always be with me to this day. You know, every day, you know, I just love, I just love horses, obviously, but uh, my love for them grew as an adult. So certainly easy to do, isn't it? And I, and I tell Dennis, the gypsy van horse ruined all other breeds for me. I'll love every horse, obviously, because I'm an animal lover, but um, the gypsy van horse, because of their temperament and their beauty and just their overall um, the fairy tale, yeah, fairy tale quality. It's just, there's something about them that's so majestic and calm and beautiful and, um, and plus Dennis isn't so bad either. I was going <laughs> to say, who, who swept you off your feet, Dennis or the horses? I would say, I, you know, it's funny thing is when I met Dennis, I, he, I really, I had no idea who he was. Um, so it, it, I was very naive. Um, I didn't realize, you know, now, like, ask me, ask me now if I would do it all over again. No, I'm joking. I'm joking. But it's, you know, it's, um, it's beautiful. And then people can see from the outside how amazing, you know, this breed is and how beautiful it is. But to own animals and to actually have a business um, breeding and teaching people about animals, it is a 365 day, you know, and, uh, you know, a day a year job. It's, it, there's no walking away from it obviously um so it's love and dedication for sure and you know there is a heartache involved you know it's fan all the horses become your babies 
you know, all the animals, you become intimately involved with them and you know their personalities, you know their whinnies, you know their, you know, their, just all their idiosyncrasies. Um, and it's something so beautiful about that. Um, it makes it, it makes it worth it. You know, yes, family, yes it? It, it truly <laughs> is, you know, it truly is. Like, I love them. Uh, I love each and every one of them for different reasons. And so. it's an early in the morning until late at oh, night labor of love. I would say yes. And thank God for Gabriel, as you know. Um, he is a godsend, and we have two volunteers that work for us, um, Janet and Dawn, um, that are just amazing with the birds. And um, we're lucky to have a few really special people that come and help out of the love for just doing something with their day and dedicating themselves to animals that love their care and and uh yeah their special care don makes all the bird toys for the birds and you know it's just something really special about people who come out and just love the animals as much as you do so when, we're grateful when you were a little girl did you ever imagine that you might end up doing this not in a million years i could not <laughs> have dreamt it honestly like i was always the child in my family that was begging for a cat begging for a dog, endlessly begging, you know, and they wouldn't let me, you know. Be careful what you wish for, right? <laughs> I mean, it's really crazy when I look back on it. Um, I couldn't have dreamt it, but it is, for me, the best part of my week is, you know, I always joke with Dennis, Sundays are just magical because we don't have anybody that comes and works here. So just on Sundays, it's just Dennis and I. So we go out and it's just no tractors are running, you know, you just hear all the horses, you hear the munching in the background and the birds squawking away. There's something so magical about this place, you know. This place is magical. We're at the end of this segment, but fortunately we're coming right back and we've got lots more to tell you about Dennis and Aaron and Gypsy Gold Horse Farm. I'm Louisa Barton for the Horse Talk Show. it's time to take care of yourself as well as you do your horse so get down to pulse center of ocala the pemf wave is safe and it's a therapy that charges your cells and allows them to function at their fullest capacity so you heal much faster check them out at pulsecenterfl.com now and tell them you heard about it on the horse talk show for a free demo the Larson family has been farming hay in Idaho for generations with a mission to always provide high quality hay products at a fair and reasonable price. Larson Hay loves to meet new customers while always honoring the ones they already have. Find Larson Hay on the web at larsonhay.com, like them on Facebook and definitely visit one of their locations. Larson Hay, Idaho's finest alfalfa, and our television broadcast sponsor. World-class equine rehab promoting faster recovery is available at the Equine Performance Center Ocala. Hyperbaric oxygen therapy and underwater treadmill, a saltwater spa, an aquapacer, magna wave, a vibration plate, swimming pool, massage and laser therapies. With post-surgical care, memberships, packages and BOGOs, EPC delivers a rejuvenated horse through proven and innovative rehab. Like Equine Performance Center now on Facebook and find them on the web at epcrehab.com. Welcome back to the Horse Talk Show. You never heard of a talking horse? Well, listen to this. With your host, Louisa Barton. What does it feel like to be in love with a horse? 
Presented by Palm Chevrolet, your hometown Chevy experience. Back in the saddle again. Now, here's your pretty, pretty Luisa Barto. You're fab, you're switched on, you're a bit of all right. Yes. <laughs> yeah, baby. Yeah. Beginning of the second half of the Horse Talk Show presented by Palm Chevrolet, your hometown Chevy experience. Welcome back. Thank you to Larson Farms, our broadcast sponsor, Idaho's finest alfalfa. We hope you enjoy the second half of the show. I'm Louisa Barton with the Horse Talk Show and Equus Television, and I'm here with a young lady who's heading to the Olympics. We're very excited for Kayla van der Walt. I said that right. We're also here with Dottoro, the horse that she'll be competing on. It's very exciting uh, to have a young lady here in the horse capital of the world heading to the Olympics. But Kayla's actually had some challenges um, that she's overcome and proved that she's an absolute competitor and a winner. She started riding at three and a half, all started by a carnival pony. Imagine that. That's how an awful lot of people have got involved in horses. Got to watch out for those carnivals, parents. It can become quite expensive, a bit more than cotton candy. Andy. So Kayla, tell us a little about you. You've been riding since you were three and a half. You started out actually jumping until you were about 11 and then you fell in love with dressage. Tell us a little bit about that journey. Um, so I got into dressage after my first horse. He actually hurt himself jumping and we didn't want to risk it again. So we started doing dressage and ever since I've just stuck with it because I found it more challenging and I just found it more fun. So I stuck with just dressage through that. So you've been riding dressage now. You're 20 now. So you've been... Hi, Dottoro. Thank you for visiting. It's very timely. Um, so for about nine years, you've been, you've been riding dressage. And tell us a little bit about some of the health challenges you've had. I know in, in 2016, you were diagnosed with a, with a cancer in your left arm. Tell us a little bit about that experience. Um, so after I got diagnosed, it was everything kind of just moved really, really fast because um, we I was diagnosed when I was still li living in South Africa. And then within a week, we had to move here. And um, I did chemo for about nine months. And I also did radiation for a month in between that. And so obviously then I couldn't go out a lot because I was just feeling down all the time, super like feeling sick. But I still got out with the horses. That was kind of like my therapy in a way. So... But other than that, I kind of tried to stay as strong as I could through the whole thing. I didn't really let it affect me too much. So um, talk a little bit about some of the challenges um, to your left arm. You're, fortunately, you are right-handed, which is good. But um, tell us some of the things that you faced getting back into riding after the therapy. You had to have a surgery. You had a, a tumor that, um, unfortunately, was very close to the nerve um, and uh, and. and some concerns there. Ewing's carcinoma, is that right? Ewing's sarcoma. Ewing's sarcoma. So tell us about some of the challenges getting back to riding, some of the things you had to do differently, learn to do differently, and, and how difficult that was to start with. So because it was on my left, I compensated quite a lot with my right side, just to kind of like, I guess, to protect myself in a way. So my balance was a bit affected. And then obviously strength-wise too, since I only have really 30% use of my arm with mobility and movement and all that kind of thing. So it was kind of just getting my strength back up, mostly also then strength because of chemo and stuff. But the balance we've worked on quite a bit and I've gotten a little stronger on my left side and trying not to compensate as much on my right. So, 
So tell us how you mentioned the horses are a kind of a therapy for you. How much did that help you and encourage you kind of thinking about your future career riding, knowing you had to overcome some disabilities and how that kind of strengthened you and, and made you push harder? Um, well, I just I can never see my life without horses. So like um, getting there, they kind of just took my mind off of everything like if I was feeling like I was getting too much if I was like with the horses I kind of forgot about it all so it kind of just took my mind off of what was really happening during that time and how scary was it for you when you when you first found out were you were you really afraid of what the future might be or or were you just I'm going to do this I wasn't really scared at all I kind of just took it as like okay um, there's nothing I could have done to stop this now so I might as well just push through it and be positive about the whole situation. Now tell us about the horse behind us and, and the role that, that he's played, De Toro, right? Yes, De Toro. Um, so um, I found him through my trainer, Trisha Bell. Um, she had been um, riding him in the top level Grand Prix. And then when he came for sale, he was just, he's just been super level-headed, calm. So it was like perfect dressage horse. And so that's how we got to know him through my trainer. And then, yeah. Everything just got better from there since we got him. So, Tell us a little bit about his personality and, and some of the things you really like about him. Um, so the biggest thing about him is he's very cuddly and he's a very people horse for sure. He'd rather be with people than with horses. He's a bit of a goofball, <laughs> but very level-headed. So I can always, he's very trustworthy. It shows I can never, I don't need to worry about him ever, you know, like freaking out on me or anything like that. He's very trustworthy. Tell us about the qualifying procedure to, to make it to the Olympics and what you've had to accomplish to, to be able to go. So we've had to do a minimum of um, three, they call it a um, C-Petty, the FEI shows, um, and they had to be a three-star show. So I had to do a minimum of three and get qualifying scores. And off, there's three different tests for each grade. You have an individual test, a team test, and then your freestyle. So we had to get qualifying scores in all three, at a minimum of three shows to then um, get South Africa to like look at us and then see if they'd like to choose us for their team. Now, having ridden um, and competed uh, outside of the the para uh, world, the differences for you, the big the big differences you see um, competing in the two different ways that you've competed and some of the things that you've the challenges you've overcome to get to this point. Mm -hmm. So with the para stuff, um, it's a lot bigger because it's an international ring. So like that's the, those are the biggest shows I've had ever done. So like our first show kind of was like stressful, but since then I've actually enjoyed it a lot more, the bigger atmosphere and stuff. And I think Turo likes the bigger atmosphere too because he's a bit of a show off. So. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it's just the biggest thing is just the atmosphere really because like, everything's just like a lot bigger. You got more people watching and yeah. yeah tell us about your trainer. Tell us about Trisha. <laughs> so I've known Trish for a really long time. She's pretty much family to me. Um, um, let's see. What can I tell about you, Trish? How, how long has she been teaching you? Oh, um, so I've, since knowing her, she's kind of just done, I started out doing clinics and stuff with her. And then I've really just started, she's been my like pretty much personal trailer, trainer, I guess you can say for the past four years. So, yep. So helped you a lot through all of this and obviously she knows Dottoro very well having ridden him to the Grand Prix level already. 
So since I think it helped a lot that she already knew him, and then she then knew me in a way, so working us, to, like putting us together was kind of a lot easier for us since she knew both of us already. So when you started riding, or at least when you started riding dressage, did you, um, was it kind of your bucket list to make it to the Olympics? Or is this a, some like an extra blessing that you're excited about? Or was it like a goal of yours to get to this point? So I've always wanted to go to the Olympics ever since I was little, even when I was just jumping and stuff. And then when I started dressage, obviously then like Olympics was my end goal, but I didn't expect to come this early. So I think para dressage kind of just like sped up the process where I can, it might not be the Olympics per se, but like Paralympics is pretty close. So <laughs> yeah, so Very it's just kind of, yep. <laughs> Tell us about your parents and your family's uh, role in all of this. Oh, they've been super supportive. It probably wouldn't be here. My dad didn't do everything, like financially help me and then just helping out at shows, getting me to where I need to be and all that kind of thing. Yep. So very supportive. Super supportive, yes. So personality, Dottoro, um, a show off. All, all personality, uh, friendly, tries to get in your pocket. Uh, do you think he, uh, he helps to compensate? Do you think that a lot of people say that horses can tell, you know, when you're, when you're working towards something, especially with a disability like you've, you've uh, experienced? Uh, tell us about that and how he's, how he's helped you. So he's actually quite sensitive. His, so whenever like I might feel anxious, he'll feel the same way kind of thing. So like I know whatever he's feeling is probably what I'm feeling too because he's very intuitive that way. Um, but yeah, for the most part, he's helped me out. Like at shows, I, like I said, he's very level-headed. So he helps keep me calmer in situations too. If I feel like I could be stressed out, he like knowing that he's there with me, I think helps Amazing. the whole thing. Kayla Vanderbilt, I'm so impressed. It's such an honor to meet you, and we wish you all the best, and we're going to do everything we can to make sure you're at the Olympics and that you compete for your country, for South Africa. One day we hope you compete for America. <laughs> I'm Louisa Barton for the Horse Talk Show here with a very, very uh, successful young lady who is going for the Paralympics, and we think we'll see her win. Thank you to our presenting sponsor, Palm Chevrolet, and our broadcast and television sponsor, Larson Hay, and also to our supporting sponsors, Equisafe, Nirvana Medical Spa, Showcase Properties of Central Florida, the Equine Performance and Innovative Center, and Summit Joint Performance. Nirvana, Ocala's premier medical spa, is leading the way in great skin with all the newest in treatment options, offering prejuvenation for younger clients and rejuvenation for all ages. Nirvana knows you want to look your very best, but we've all seen people with the telltale signs of too much work. We want you to look like you, just better, brighter and younger, with all the newest and best in technology and all in the most beautiful surroundings. Like Nirvana Medical Spa on Facebook and find them on the web at nirvanamedicalspa.com. Become a better, brighter and younger you. This hour of the Horse Talk Show is presented by Palm Chevrolet in Ocala, where the entire team is committed to making your experience in sales and services hassle-free and easier than ever, with no games or gimmicks. Come in and visit on Southwest College Road or online at palmchevrolet.com. A second to none experience with all the amenities. Palm Chevy, find new roads. Hi, this is Hall of Fame jockey Mike Smith. We're listening to the Horse Talk Show. Quick mention for Epic. 
Equine Performance and Innovative Center in the second half of the show. Shout out for them because they're swimming dogs as well and all kinds of therapy for dogs. More of that coming soon. Very excited to get our older dogs. Gigi and I both have dogs that need some rehabbing. So we're very glad that you don't just get epic rehab for your horse, you can get epic rehab for your dog too. I'm Louisa Barton for the Horse Talk Show here at Epic, the Equine Performance Innovative Center in Ocala, the horse capital of the world. I'm sitting here with Dr. Alberto Rian. He's told us a little bit in the prior segment about growing up, uh, how he got where he is today. And now we're going to talk a little bit about what Epic has to offer. We're focusing on equine rehab, conditioning, uh, maybe post-surgery, maybe just a fitness issue, uh, maybe an accident, uh, injury, a number of different things. Um, and we're going to talk about the hyperbaric chamber, a little bit about what that's all about, what that can do for your horse, and also why you shouldn't be afraid of it. And I'm going to let Dr. Rian tell us a little bit about the purpose of the hyperbaric chamber. Thank you, Luisa. First, before we go into the purpose of the hyperbaric chamber and how it works, I want to attend the biggest question that most clients have and most host owners have about the hyperbaric chamber and that is is it safe because all we hear about hyperbaric chamber is they blow up <laughs> right and my question is they blow up like when you do the research how many is they i only ever heard of one right mm-hmm. now there have been other accidents around the world through the last century with hyperbaric chamber in human hyperbaric chambers I think last time I revised the literature, you can count them with both, with both of your hands. That's it. So use that number and that statistics compared to the hundreds of thousands of hyperbaric chamber treatments that get done in the world, and you can calculate your own conclusion about how safe they are, right? But more importantly is that because it happened in Ocala, when the hyperbaric chamber in Ocala ruptured, had the accident, the road, another facility. Down the road at another Mm -hmm. facility, yes. Um, Yes, a lot of people ask me if it was here. No, it was not here. It was not here. It was definitely (laughs) not here. Um, But when the investigation happened, there were several steps that were missing in the security checklist. So what we did now is that everybody that wants to have a hyperbaric chamber center, they have to go through this process of training where we have checklist, and you have to go step by step, and before a horse gets into the hyperbaric chamber, every checklist needs to be filled. If it's not filled, the horse doesn't go in the hyperbaric chamber. As simple as that. Simple things like no shoes, no petroleum-based, nothing flammable, make sure it's bathed, water in the chamber as well, water in the horse, all the pressures working, Simple stuff can prevent big accidents, and that's what we do every day when we put a horse in the hyperbaric chamber. On top of that, what else we do? Well, we have trained staff, right? right. So our, our staff gets trained. I drill them uh, personally. I, whoever does the hyperbaric chamber has taken the course, right? Not just that, we drill emergencies, and because safety is everything, right? And we have to be prepared for anything. So sometimes I just stop them on the spot and I say, okay, 
there's a fire, what do you do? And then they go through the process of firing, Good. right? There's a loss of pressure, what do you do? And they go, and I do it on the spot. And you actually log that in the book, and that is an official drill. We have to do, we have to do X amount per year. We do it like monthly. Like every month we are, I just go around and I drill with them if an emergency happens. That way we prepare. Um, we have done uh, over a thousand in the last two years, over a thousand hyperbaric treatments. No one issue at all, not even close to one issue, all right? Amazing. Everything has been going perfectly by the book. So professionalism, safety, training. Yes. Yes, emergency yes. procedure, stop, what if. All yes. of those things. Very important. Now let's talk about what it does because Benefits. it's because it's an amazing it's an amazing tool. It's not a fix at all, but it's an amazing tool. What's the basic structure for life? Right? Water, oxygen, right? So the hyperbaric chamber what it does is puts a lot of oxygen in your body. A lot of times when you are walking around here right now, oxygen we know is about 21% in the air, right? 21% of the air is oxygen. When you're in the chamber, almost 100% is oxygen. Now, what does that do? That makes oxygen not just going to the red blood cells, but it also makes it going into the body, into the plasma. And it dissolves in the plasma. When you put pressure in there, you're actually increasing the oxygen content up to 600% to what the oxygen is right now, where we're walking, wow. inside your body. And what do you think that does? It does increase healing. All the cool things that oxygen do, increase healing. Why? Proven already, research has proven that the hyperbaric chamber oxygen increases your stem cell production from the bone marrow. Nice. So. That's one action that improves healing. It gives more power to the white blood cells to attack an infection. So it makes the immune system more powerful. That's another benefit. In addition to that, it helps break in scar. Scar tissue. Yes. Mm -hmm. um, in addition to that, if you've ever been in one, it will increase your well-being. Like you feel good with all that oxygen. And guess what? It's not... It's not a pharmaceutical, it's non-addictive. No side effects? It's no side effects. <laughs> um, the only side effects that you can get from the chamber are if you have a sinus, what we call a sinus block, you could get a little bit of pressure and you can get a little bit of a headache. Um, you can get something called battle trauma, which is that the lungs could get, um, if you put so much pressure in a balloon, you take a balloon and you put pressure, that could get, you can see how that could get affected. But honestly, we have never seen one in the horse. And people, they have reported some of those. Very, very, really? very little. And you know the treatment for the side effects? Just take him out. <laughs> That's <laughs> right. right. <laughs> you take him out of the chamber. Wouldn't you like a pill to have a side effect that is as easy to resolve as just take it out, right? So how many sessions do you see changes usually? Minimum minimum five to six to see a, a big change. For example, if we have a wound that's infected, that is just not healing because there's no blood supply going and blood is not bringing oxygen to the wound, after six changes, you start seeing some really good healthy tissue. 
Now, in the humans, the, most of the research is doing with chemotherapy. Mm-hmm. And horses, uh, pe- excuse me, people that get jaw necrosis or jaw, mm-hmm. their jaw start dying. Mm-hmm. So for bone, in the humans, they do up to 40. Wow. When, he, when we have had navicular bone infections and uh, what we call the P3 bone infections, really bad infections, we have had to go up to 40 to okay. get them resolved. Really? Yes. And some joints, joint infections, we have had to 15 to 20. Mm-hmm. What we have discovered is that certain diseases take more treatments at higher pressure than other diseases. Mm-hmm. For example, a fall with a wound that is not healing, six to 10 will probably do it. An adult horse with a bad navicular infection will need 30 or 40. And the, the interesting thing about the hyperbaric chamber is that we don't really cut the antibiotics. We don't stop absolutely anything else. We don't change anything else. We add the hyperbaric chamber because it's complementary to all those to, to those treatments. It increases the effectiveness of the antibiotics. Let's say you have a wound and the antibiotics, uh, the bacteria is resistant to that wound, like happened in our case, one of our cases, Willow. The bacteria was resistant to every antibiotic tested. There was no antibiotic that was able to hit that infection. So what we did, we added a hyperbaric chamber and that made the antibiotics actually reach better to the infection and work better. Wow. So they, they help the heal. Sessions generally how far apart? We could do it up to two a day. Up to two a day? Mm-hmm. And in really, really bad cases, you could go, you could go up to three a day, three a days safely wow. without, without a problem. Incredible. Yes. And you've, results you've seen have been we have seen amazing results, absolutely. Check out our case, check out our YouTube cases, uh, Equine Performance Center, and you're gonna learn a lot about those cases. Talking to Dr. Alberto Rian here at Epic about the hyperbaric chamber, about how safe it is, their protocols they have in place to keep you and your horse safe, and also wonderful results from this treatment, and certainly complementary to whatever you're doing either uh, with Dr. Rian as your vet or another veterinarian. Incredible. Louisa Barton here for the Horse Talk Show. Thank you to our presenting sponsor, Palm Chevrolet, and our broadcast and television sponsor, Larson Hay, and also to our supporting sponsors, Equisafe, Nirvana Medical Spa, Showcase Properties of Central Florida, the Equine Performance and Innovative Center, and Summit Joint Performance. World-class equine rehab promoting faster recovery is available at the Equine Performance Center Ocala. Hyperbaric oxygen therapy and underwater treadmill, a saltwater spa, an aquapacer, magna wave, a vibration plate, swimming pool, massage and laser therapies with post-surgical care, memberships, packages and BOGOs. EPC delivers a rejuvenated horse through proven and innovative rehab. Like Equine Performance Center now on Facebook and find them on the web at epcrehab.com. This show was brought to you in part by TT Distributors, dedicated to bringing their customers the largest selection of quality horse supplements, products, and farrier supplies in Florida at affordable prices. Also online at ttdistributors.com. Hi, this is Hall of Fame jockey Mike Smith. We're listening to the Horse Talk Show. I'm Louisa Barton with the Horse Talk Show here at Air Show Jumping at the Florida Horse Park, sitting at the barn of Notting Hill Stables. Sounds rather British. 
That's because it is. I'm actually here with Justine Dutton and Chris Barnard. Uh, Chris, show jumping company, signature show jumps. Chris Barnard, equestrian, and the two of them, Notting Hill Stables, do an absolutely phenomenal job in the horse world. And so does Fergie, joining me here to guest co-host, because that's just what she's good at. We're actually in the horse barn uh, with wonderful horses that are competing here at the show this weekend. Tino, who actually... Uh, one yesterday. Very, very excited to congratulate Justine on that and going to have her actually do a little rundown of the horses that are here with us and tell us a little bit about their backgrounds, what they're accomplishing, ages and personalities. We always love to hear about that on the Horse Talk Show. So I'm going to let Justine take us down. Justine, thank you for being with us and I'm going to uh, lean this way and have you tell us a little bit about the horses here in the barn. Thanks, Louisa. Um, well, first of all, we have Tino if he would actually stick his head out, which he's now decided he's not going to. Um, he's a five-coming six-year-old Dutch horse. Um, we've had him since he was four, just broken. And uh, he did some young jumpers last year. He's jumped a couple uh, 120 young jumper classes this week. And uh, there wasn't many in the class, but he jumped clear and won both classes. Um, so we're really pleased with him. Um, and he has pretty big things in his future, I think. Um, so yeah, he's definitely, uh, one of our favorites. And, he, and he's a lovely guy. Very friendly. Very, uh, very happy to see people. Oh yeah. He loves people. Yeah. Really loves people. Chris keeps threatening though to make me sell him. <laughs> Chris. True, true statement. <laughs> Very true. No, he's a super little horse. Um, not so little, but um, he's got a great personality and he's got a great brain for a five for a five year old. He just hacks around and you know goes in, does his thing, no nonsense. And uh, but no, he's a he's definitely a keeper for now. For now. I'm really glad we got that on film. <laughs> that is recorded by the Horse Talk Show. We have evidence that he said that. But you mentioned earlier not even really needing to lunge or anything, just being able to take him straight in. And Yeah, he's actually the best behaved of the lot, honestly. <laughs> uh, he doesn't require any prep, any lunging. You just kind of wander him down to the ring and in he goes. So it's quite nice to have one that easy. <laughs> Beautiful dapples too. So who do we have next uh, coming down the line? Next, we have Henry. Um, he is owned by the Superman Syndicate, <laughs> named because he jumps a bit like Superman's. <laughs> he is a 15-3 Dutch horse uh, by Mr. Blue, I believe. Um, he's jumped up through 130. He's an, he'll be coming nine this year. Um, he just came out this week and jumped some 120s just to get warmed up. Um, was second yesterday out of quite a big class. So um pleased with that. And then he'll jump the $5,000 meter 25 pre tomorrow to finish up the week. Wow. Very nice. And uh, next? <laughs> <laughs> next? We have Monkey. Yeah, aptly named. <laughs> um, he is He is a monkey, as you can see. Um, he's 15, one and a half coming 10 year old this year. Um, he jumped a couple of his first Grand Prix last year. Um, and, um, he jumped a meter 30 and the welcome this week, both of which he jumped super well. Um, so he'll probably do the same next week. Um, 
And then he'll aim to move up to some Grand Prix again later in the season, I would think. But he's he's a cool horse. He's very little, but uh, he has a ton of personality, and uh, he's very cocky. And he and a beautiful face, absolutely gorgeous, and obviously loves people visiting with you here, just trying to nibble on you and get your attention. Yeah, he loves people, but he loves food more. <laughs> Sounds like me. I was going to say, he's, he's kind of like Chris, actually. <laughs> like, no, Chris, comment. It's probably true, true, but he's probably a lot cuter than I am. For sure, no, for sure. <laughs> Not arguing that one. So then we go down to um, Everse, who actually I'm quite familiar with because um, Rowan, of course, uh, was uh, riding Everse. I don't know for how long, but I know for quite some time. Uh, quite an incredible horse with a, a career, but but exciting that you just got to ride him in the first Grand Prix that you've ridden him in, right? Yep, I am leasing him for the winter season. Um, Rowan very kindly set that up with uh, Iverse's owners so I can get some mileage in the uh, Grand Prix. And uh, I've had him a couple months now and just still kind of getting used to him. He's a very big, powerful, hot horse um, with the most scope I've ever sat on. <laughs> um, so... I've started out getting flung around like a ragdoll a bit. <laughs> so I've had to figure out how to uh, stick with him. But um, yeah, we jumped our first Grand Prix today, which is probably the biggest, most technical track I've ever done. Um, but he knows his job. And uh, we had a really super round. I had three down, which were my green mistakes. But um, he was great and rideable and I stayed with him and didn't get flung around and uh, just really, really good mileage and looking forward to the rest of the season with him. Yeah, and that's a, a, it's a little bit of a change for him. Rowan's a big, huge guy and a big, tall guy anyway. Yeah. And, uh, and and you're obviously a lot smaller person. This been He's been riding a verse, I know, for quite some oh, time. God, yeah. yeah, so I mean, there's, there's some adjustments there. Oh, yeah. And and a couple only a couple of months in in a Grand Prix, it's a big step. So um, you must have had a little bit of nerves. Was Rowan watching? <laughs> <laughs> Rowan's actually in England right now. Um, but um, yeah, I was a little nervous, but... The horse really knows his job. So as long as I'm like somewhat right and can stay on, then I knew he would jump. <laughs> so it's nice to kind of be sitting on something like that. And, and you mentioned a, a technical course. Did you think it was it was tough? I mean, there were quite a few clear rounds. I think there were 10 uh, or 11 clear rounds, and that's a pr pretty good percentage. But did you think it was a, a difficult course? I, I saw a lot of people having trouble with number 13. It seemed like yeah. they'd make it maybe all the way through or almost all the way through with maybe just one rail and then yeah. knock down 13. So do you think it was kind of tough, or what were your thoughts on it? I thought it was a really big technical track. Um, you know, especially early on in the season. Um, I mean, I'm still green in the Grand Prix, so quite honestly, they all look fairly big and technical anyway. Um, but, you know, obviously 10 or so people jumped clear and uh, he got as many clear rounds as he needed and it was an exciting class for people to watch. And, you know, I think everyone came out educated. You know, there was no carnage or anything. And <laughs> I think most people and horses came out better than they went in. So I know I kind of came out confident and happy and, you know, a good start to the season for us, really. And for you, for a takeaway for a verse for your next Grand Prix, what would you say if there was anything that you kind of took away from that experience? Um, I think, you know, just figuring out 
just letting him kind of do his job a little bit more and uh, just trying to get my adjustments done a little earlier. Just as he's strong, I don't always get the reaction straight away. Um, and just kind of understanding his stride length and power. Um, but, you know, you can only learn that with Miles. <laughs> That's right. All in experience. And he is a big, strong lad. So, oh, but congratulations and well done because that was a, uh, a job well done, a nice ride and uh, certainly a great experience for both of you. Uh, we're going to have more uh, with Chris and Justine. We're going to learn a little bit more about signature jumps and some of the things that are on their bucket list. Just happy to be here, delighted and honoured to be here in their barn, Notting Hill Stables at the Florida Horse Park, air show jumping Louisa Barton for the Horse Talk Show. Thank you so much for tuning in. We hope you fared the storm okay. Certainly hope you were prepared. Remember it is hurricane season. Whether you're in Ocala, Marion County, Florida, the horse capital of the world or not, happy horsing around. Until next time. <laughs>